Greetings and welcome to In Tune with VHBC, a podcast about music and worship at Vestavia Hills Baptist Church. I'm Marty Watts, Minister of Music at VHBC. In today's episode, I'll talk with music ministry participant and VHBC Handel Choir Director, James Carr. If you haven't already done so, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss any future episodes. Now let's get in tune. Today's episode will be a little different. I'll share a conversation that I had with James Carr. James Carr is a participant in the music ministry at Vestavia Hills Baptist Church, as well as the director of our handbell choir. He also has an extensive background in music composition, performance, teaching, and music ministry in church settings. This episode will conclude with a recording from the electronic music duo that James is a part of, the modular units of the analog domain, performing their composition, Sky Kingdom. Subscribing to this podcast makes it easy to find new episodes. If you have a suggestion for a hymn to explore in a future episode of the podcast, feel free to email me at marty at vhbc.com. I have been um, so grateful week after week for folks who uh, come onto the podcast and have a conversation with me and then share that with all the listeners. So uh, thank you for guests coming on and thank you for uh, listeners who, who uh, take part in these podcasts every week. And today I'm really glad to welcome James Carr. Hey, James. Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Good to see well, you. Thank, Talk to you. Thanks for doing this today. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. And, you know, if this is the last one in your series, then it's probably good because nobody's going to want to listen to anything after today anyhow. So, you know, it's going to be that bad. <laughs> I'll do what I or can that do good. for you. Or that good. Yeah. Uh, there, we, we won't be able to improve on the one today. That, that may be the case. Truly an optimist you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, first of all, James, tell us a little bit about what you're involved with at church, uh, both music-wise and other areas. Well... Uh, I work with the four- and five-year-olds in Sunday school on Sunday morning, one of which is little Mr. Duncan, yes. our favorite boy. We have basically two people that, that, that we work with. Uh, there's Victoria, and then there's Duncan. Ellie yes. comes every once in a while, but yeah, Duncan is our, our one guy, and we have a lot of fun with Duncan every week. That's, that's well, what I do outside of, of the music part. Um, and music-wise... Music-wise, I sing in the choir, which has been an awful lot of fun, and I also direct the handbells. Yes, I want to talk about that um, in a little bit for sure. Uh, And I also have to say that um, through the podcast episodes, I've ended up having uh, as guests all of Duncan's children's choir teachers. Uh, Mm. So now we get into the uh, Sunday school uh, area, so I get to... uh, Find out what he's really like, huh? <laughs> yes. Well, give give my deepest appreciation to the <laughs> teachers in those in both of those areas. Um, so, uh, talking about handbells, you uh, took over from Marlene Taylor uh, directing the handbells in the fall of 2019. Is that correct? That is, that is correct. Yeah. Uh, 
Yes. I started in the fall of 2019, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And then just in the last couple of weeks, have been able to resume uh, rehearsing that group, which is uh, wonderful. Yes. We're spread out all over the choir room and got to come up with three more tables for this next week. I don't know where we're going to get them from. (laughs) (laughs) Good problem to have. uh, Yes. To be able to be back in person and to... to, uh, to have the need for more room and more, more equipment. So that's wonderful. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background in music. And I know that's for you, that's a loaded question. Uh, lots of different areas, but uh, I guess start off uh, telling us maybe about the, um, what role music played in your childhood, uh, you know, growing up, church, at home, whatever, uh, how music was part of your childhood. Okay. When I was growing up, church was what you did on Sunday and Wednesday and any other night they had something going on. Uh, you just went to church. And I was in all of the graded choir program at Eastern Hills Baptist Church in Montgomery. And it's just always been part of my life. I mean, going to church and being part of the choir has always been just part of life. It's something that you you did. There was no question about it. It's just something you did. And whenever I got later in elementary school, um, I discovered a record player. Uh, and it was a real hi-fi system. It wasn't stereo. It was single speaker, horn, and a record player. And it had come from one of my mom's sisters. And the only music that was there was what we would call classical music, Rachmaninoff, Chopin, um, Schumann, um, Beethoven, and all kinds of things. And I heard gobs and gobs and gobs of music. And that was kind of my Sunday afternoon thing to do. It was in mom and dad's room, and I would go in there and lay down on the bed, and I would listen to music for hours. And so I was exposed to all of that stuff long before I was exposed to it. (laughs) later in college. And then my sister went off to college and she took a music appreciation class and she brought all that stuff home and gave it to me. And it was a little cassette of all of these musical excerpts, Night on Bald Mountain, Beethoven's Fifth, and just all kinds of stuff that you'd study in music appreciation. Well, I'd put that cassette in, the cassette player by my bed at night, push play and go to sleep listening to all of that music just constantly. And uh, I really enjoyed that. It just it it spoke to me in ways that people and other things just didn't. It was it, it was life. I mean, it really was. It was great. But that was basically the first part of growing up. I sang in choirs all the way through high school, and it decided that I wanted to be a minister of music in a church. And I, in the ninth grade, I got into band playing the superior instrument, which is commonly referred to as the tuba. <laughs> and I, uh, I learned how to play that. Did you know? Did all the instrumental stuff. Learned how to play bass viol, uh, bass guitar, uh, a little more piano. And oddly enough, at one point in time, my senior year in high school, I had a piano lesson once a week. A uh, bass viol lesson once a week, uh, piano. Did I say piano? Yeah, I said piano. And then I took tuba from two different 
tuba instructors my senior year in high school. Played in the lab band, the jazz band, marching band, symphonic band, and, and music was just my whole life. That was all I did. In my senior year in high school, uh, spring, I took a church as a minister of music youth uh, in a little rural area down in Otago County and did that till I started college in the fall. Mom and dad wouldn't let me do it whenever I was in college or my freshman year. They said, you need to focus on studying. So I did. And then the uh, first thing I did whenever I got there was get into uh, a local church and into their music program as well as doing all my music stuff. And my freshman year was whenever I was hands-on introduced to electronic music. And uh, I had heard it before, switched on Bach, and Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, yes, you know, all the progressive rock groups and things like that, but I'd really never touched anything like that. And touching something like that, playing with it, turning a knob, doing a patch chord, you bring a bunch of dead circuits to life and you make something unique and fun and cool and straight, crazy and bizarre and stuff. So, yeah, that was, that's, that's, I'll say that's the first part. That's where I got started. Yeah, yeah. Where did you do your undergrad? University of Montevallo, just down the road from here. A great little school. Uh very well accredited music school, uh, very good school. Where did uh, the electronic music at that point was that something that you were doing um, with curriculum, the school curriculum, or was that something sort of outside uh, extracurricular? I guess you might say both. Uh, Doctor Robertson, Ed Robertson, who we've we've had show up at the church, we've sang uh, at least one of his pieces. Uh, he was. Uh, he taught 20th century music and composition and other things. I took a year of directed independent study with him, and it was primarily uh, electronic, even though he wanted me to incorporate wind instruments and strings and stuff, but I, I really never, never did. I was much more interested in the electronic stuff. And I assisted him a little bit in developing the electronic music curriculum there that came after I left. And... Um, but that was, um, that was pretty much so it. I was part of it at school and outside of school. And this is the fun part. There was a thing that I thought that I could do, and I did it, uh, which had ramifications just a few years ago, too. But I went down to Disney World in, uh, down in Orlando back in Christmas of 1976, there was a guy down there named Michael Iceberg who had a stack of keyboards all around him, and he played solo work, uh, pieces, original pieces, and just entertained the daylights out of him. Matter of fact, I probably spent most of my day in Disneyland listening to him do that show over and over and over again. And I said, you know, I'm going to do that. And not only am I going to do that, but I'm going to do that in churches. So I started with the modular Moog at Montevallo building uh, soundtracks from original music and then finally was able to buy a couple of synths here and stuff like that. And I actually did. I went to um, several churches, performed original music, all electronic, and um, it was called The Synthesis, an experience in electronic Christian music. And I did that for a number of 
of years. Even after I left college, I did it for two, three more years after that. Um, then I started, you know, get old and kids at the youth rallies don't want to listen to you. And they said, what's that old man doing? It's just, <laughs> but anyhow, I, um, that was my part in that. It was, it was really fun. And the funniest thing about it was I was telling my, my kids about it just a few years ago. And uh, they're going, yeah, sure, Dad. Just like kids say to their parents, yeah, that's a great story. I bet that was really awesome. You you walked uphill both ways to school barefooted in the snow. I, you know, it, that's a great story, Dad. But yeah, okay, we'll take your word for it kind of thing. <laughs> and they really never... Uh, they probably believe me, but I'm just thinking about you know how I thought about my dad and stuff. So I said, one day, I'm going to prove that I could do that. So I pulled out all my old scores and started rounding up gear and stuff like that. And I said, I'm going to do a live concert, just like I did back in the 70s, <laughs> 70s. Uh, and uh, show you, that's what I did. I'm going to prove it. And I did. Uh, with the help of a friend of mine who loaned me some equipment uh, and things that I needed to make it happen. And sure enough, I did a concert at uh, Lakeside Baptist Church on a Wednesday night. I had a couple hundred people show up. And um, my poor kids are sitting there with their mouths wide open going, he really did do this. Wow, that is so cool. That's my dad up there on stage, y'all. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that was that was a fun thing. And, and uh, it, it hadn't stopped. I, I still still perform a friend of mine Ozzy Hall he um, he and I started getting together after that and and uh, just noodling around playing and stuff and well we've developed a little group called Modular Units of the Analog Domain MOD and uh, we still play when we get get a chance to play so yeah there you go yeah. including the uh, sort of an annual invitation to the Moss Rock Festival that's right I'm hoping that we'll be able to play Moss Rock this fall that would be yeah. great yeah yeah um, so what came after University of Montevallo? I went to South Alabama for a year and a half and did music and youth at a church down in Hartford, Alabama. And after that, I uh, could not fight the call to go to seminary. I went to Fort Worth, uh, Southern, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth. Did that for about two and a half years. Made some really good connections there, some really great friends and stuff. Texas was not my most fun place to be. But um, I made it through it, but I did not finish. And that has been a thorn in my flesh for many, many years. Uh, it just all came to a screaming stop. And so I said, okay, it's time to go back to Alabama uh, and figure out what's going on. And I went back to Montevallo. And then I went back to the University of Montevallo and finished my master's in music ed there. Um, and that's where I met Christy, my now wife. And I, I'm guessing that's probably why I wasn't able to finish out there was so I could get back in time to, you know, meet her and stuff. Is kind of been what my guess was. But that's what happened right after college. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> the first few years, and then I got married and and worked a little here, worked a little there, taught for a couple of years uh, uh, at Altamont School and uh, Montevallo High School, middle school, and um, then did a full time church job 
uh, on the west side of town for about a year, year and a half. And then I got my first big job, my corporate job, uh, working for a corporation downtown Birmingham. And there I was the in-house composer, um, post audio, location audio, uh, lighting and grip, and some camera work. Uh, is, is what I did there for about 10 years. And then went freelance whenever they merged with someone else. You know, they just kind of kick you out on the street or offer you a free trip to Houston with a guarantee that they're going to lay you off after a year. And so that was no way I was going to move to Houston. So. <laughs> <clears throat> Especially after my experience in Fort Worth. Yeah. So um, then I, I did the freelance thing for a number of years. Um freelance video production. Uh, I was location audio, location lighting, uh, did some camera work, um, interviewing, got to work for some great clients, uh, big name clients too, HBO, Montel Williams, Oprah Winfrey, and all the Discovery Series channels and stuff. I've, I've been on location for a lot of different programs for them. And um, it was a lot of fun. And all of the stuff that I did in-house, advertising and things like that, I always wrote the original, all the soundtracks were original music, because mm. it's easier to write it than it was to pay the fees that you'd have to pay for the needle drop. Right, right. So uh, it was always cheaper to do that and a whole lot more fun. <laughs> and so from freelancing to to uh, UAB School of Nursing, was that... No, there was. Uh, there's about four, maybe five years between, uh, I uh, freelance kind of dried up there. Uh, the market got really, really bad due to a lot of different variables. But um, a church here in town was really interested in my media abilities. And so I became media minister at a church here in town. I did that for a couple of years and uh, a lot of work. And then my home church, Lakeside Baptist Church, uh, asked me to come on board and be their media minister. And I did that for a couple of years, too. And then they decided, we don't need a media minister anymore. So that's what led to UAB. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And I'd say, so, uh, go ahead. What, so what is it that you do now with UAB School of Nursing? My primary job started off as um, audiovisual Specialist, I take care of all the audiovisual needs in the classrooms to make sure you can be seen, you can be heard, and um, I just make sure it all works and take care of problems because problems come and go. Uh, and then they found out somewhere or another that I could do video production. And uh, a couple of years ago, I was pulled into the uh, strategic marketing group in the School of Nursing. And I started doing the outgoing recruitment videos and uh, anything that went out of the School of Nursing video-wise, uh, I started doing all of those. And that's what I still do. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, um, our church was so fortunate to have you um, when uh, we had to, to shut down uh, all of our in-person activities back in March of last year. Uh, and uh, in very quick time, got set up to to pre-record our worship services, and 
you know, March of 2020, we thought maybe this would be a two-week, three-week ordeal, and then we'll be back to normal. Yeah. Uh, and right. you ended up doing that for nine months <laughs> before yeah. we uh, switched over to the live streaming uh, uh, service. So thank you for that. I know um, you don't like to, <laughs> to be recognized publicly for that, but it was uh, a vital a vital part of how we were able to continue our ministries here at the church Um uh, during the the pandemic, so thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm. I love to video. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious. Um, I want to talk about your family here in just a second, but I'm curious. Um, while we're still sort of talking about the uh, electronic uh, elements, how changes in technology have or haven't. Um, uh, changed how you approach creating electronic music? Okay, back in the 60s and 70s, whenever electronic music was becoming commercial uh, with the Moog and ARP and Buchla and Roland and Yamaha and all those people that were just starting with the analog instruments, um, they were expensive. There was nothing that was not expensive, and and you could have purchased an automobile at that point in time for what it would have cost to get a decent synthesizers. And I, I'm that's no exaggeration. Moog had an advertisement with a pickup truck in the background, and a small Moog modular system in front that said, "If you can afford that truck, you can afford one of these." And they were that expensive; it was just ridiculous. But that was all analog stuff. And what happened in the 90s, we started moving from analog into the digital world. And that was all over with digital telephone, digital this, digital that, and everything just became zeros and ones. Well, analog synthesizers just kind of fell by the wayside. They were expensive, still expensive. They required a lot of maintenance to keep up with and, and keep them operating and stuff. And they wouldn't talk to each other. So if I wanted to play one keyboard, I couldn't play another keyboard from that same keyboard. And then MIDI came along, and MIDI allowed you to do that. But by that time, things were pretty digital at that point. So a strange thing happened in the early 2000s. Uh, a, a German engineer over, I guess, Germany, uh, Dofer is his uh, last name. I don't know what his, I can't pronounce his first name, started making electronic modules for little modular systems. And then another guy here in the United States um, over in Texas, and I'm trying to remember where it is. But anyhow, uh, it'll come to me in a minute. Uh, Tyler, Texas, started making modular synthesizers too. And they were as good and in some instances better than back in the 60s and 70s. First of all, they, the oscillators would stay in tune. And uh, that, that was a biggie because <laughs> you didn't have to sit there and retune it every five or ten minutes. But then the other thing that was really, really good was the cost. The cost of analog equipment now um, is fractions of what it was back in the day. If you equalize the economics out, you'll find that we're on a 10% of what it used to cost. 
right now with the big modular stuff from the 70s that you could have purchased for thirty dollars or $40,000, you can pick up for less than $6,000 today and have more than what you had then. And um, they sound as good. They're built on the same schematics, uh, the filters and everything. All of it's essentially the same. It's just the cost is so much less. I never would have been able to get back into it had it not been for that. Mm, yeah. um, it, just simple cost. Yeah, that's yeah. that's been the biggest difference. And since the cost is down so much, so many more people are able to do it. Yeah, I mean, you've got people in their garages in their bedrooms. Uh, they'll go out to parks all over the place and battery power their little things and just do stuff for hours all over the place. You can go anywhere on the internet and find somebody that's done something with synthesizers. It's yeah, absolutely amazing yeah. the amount of people that are involved in it now. Yeah, that was probably uh, a much uh, more uh, more people in the community, so to speak, the electronic music community to collaborate and you know all that kind of stuff and, and oh, just yeah. uh, share ideas and that kind of thing. Yes. Uh, we have a Birmingham electronic, a Birmingham, Alabama, because everything's so worldwide. If you say Birmingham, they automatically think mm -hmm. of England, but no, it's <laughs> Birmingham, Alabama, not Birmingham. Birmingham. <laughs> and uh, so uh, we have an electronic music group here in town, uh, club, I guess you could call it. And um, we have gotten together and we'll play concerts for each other and do all sorts of fun things and pull out our gear and everybody that doesn't have a particular module can play with a module that somebody else has and get an idea if they like it or not and and it's just a fun time it's a great social experience it's an awesome musical experience and it's just a lot of fun yeah well that, that's really neat uh you mentioned meeting your wife christy at uh, university of montevallo mm -hmm. tell us uh, tell us about your family well i have a wife christy of this may will be 35 years and I have two daughters, Carrie, uh, who lives in Huntsville now, and Julie, who lives here in Birmingham. And both of them are gainfully employed and out of the house, which, from my understanding, for millennials, that is a major accomplishment. So we feel really good about that. And um, they're, they're really good kids. Really proud of them. They, they've, done, they've worked hard uh, to get everything they've gotten, and um, they continue to outperform us and make more money than us and live better than we did. And I guess that's the whole, the whole thing, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, and your older, older daughter had uh, lived farther away and I guess relatively recently moved closer. Yes, into she had lived in, so. uh -huh, she had lived in Washington, D.C. for almost six years and she just moved back to Huntsville this past Christmas. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Julie has pretty much so stayed here in town. Uh, both of them went to Auburn. And both of them, well, Carrie got her MBA at UAB, and Julie is finishing up her MBA at UAB in uh, August of this year. Great, great. Well, and uh, what does Christy do? Christy is the number two person at the National Women's Missionary Union, the WMU. Yes. And all your good Baptist people know what WMU is. <laughs> and uh, they they take care of the RAs and the GAs and uh, women on mission and all kinds of things like that. They provide uh, missions education for the church. And uh, she's been with them for over 30, 
30 years, I think maybe 31, yeah, 31 this, uh, this August, she's been with them. And um, she has worked her way up from a copy editor all the way to whip-cracking uh, lady, what's almost in charge of the whole place there. Yep. And yep. Uh, she, uh, she works hard. That place is a better place because she works there. Yeah. Because yeah. she is a hard, hard worker, and she's a go-getter. And she goes and gets it, and um, it's uh, it's uh, it's great for for her to be there. And I have always, and I still do, really believe in what they're doing. Missions education in the Baptist Church is extremely important. You, we have our cooperative program in your basic Southern Baptist Church that enables uh, churches to pool their money together to send out missionaries. And that money also helps with seminary training. I remember whenever I went to seminary, and you have to remember this is in 1982, I got around through registering and looked at my bill, and it was over $2,400 for my first semester. And I'm going, how in the world? I had no idea it was going to be that expensive. And, you know, $2,400 $2,400 now is like, oh, that's barely three hours credit. But, you know, $2,400 is a lot of money in 1982, and that was a lot more money than what I had. But you go down a little bit further, and there is cooperative program scholarship, and then the total that I owed was $300. That's what that cooperative program money does for people to go to seminary so they can be ministers to ministers. And that's, um, that's how it works. And the WMU provides missions education for all of those people that end up being missionaries so that we'll know what they're doing and we can pray for them and they can get an education going to, to seminary and stuff. So it's, it's all great. They also oversee and promote, exclusively promote Lottie Moon uh, and the Annie Armstrong missions and that's that's a big deal that's that's what they do they don't get a dime of that money they they collect that they don't collect that money they pass that money to the mission boards and everyone else so that we can send missionaries out all over the world uh well stated good good work that they do for sure and i uh, you have said many times how busy Christy stays. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, 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 I can't imagine um, uh, being the number two person there, how, that, uh, how her job <laughs> continues to call on her. Well, James, I um, uh, appreciate every guest uh, that I've had on the podcast uh, offering some insight uh, based on uh, the Bible verse, John 10, 10, the second half, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And folks have been so gracious to share what's bringing them life. So, James, I'll ask you, what's bringing you life? I'll try to keep it short. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, whenever I was in high school, that my career was going to be uh, music and youth and band director be the backup just in case you know things were slow. Well, you know it's been off and on with that. 
And all of a sudden, I end up doing video production, end up writing. I end up going to Hollywood, learning how to light, uh, just doing all sorts of things. Well, I'm here for a while. I'm here for a while. I'm here for a while. And I'm at this church for a brief period of time. I'm there. I'm here. And I'm going, I have no career. And it took me the longest time to figure out that my career was not music. It was or is not music. It is not video production. It is not all the things that I thought it was supposed to be. My career is making disciples, being where God wants me to be when he wants me to be there. And I realized that that's why I've been moved from place to place. It's not because I can't do this stuff. It's because he doesn't need me to be there anymore. So he takes me to this place to work with this group of people and do certain things. And then, okay, we've been there. We've done what we're supposed to do. It's time to move on. So Worship Center, Christian Church for a while, Sonat for a while, all these places, even Southwestern, met people that had a need that God was able to help them with by me being there and being available for him to use me. And then whenever he was finished and the situation was taken care of and it was all the way he wanted it to be, he packed me up and moved me somewhere else. Well, believe it or not, being at Vestavia Hills in a pandemic is the thing that I realized that this is one of the big reasons why that I'm at Vestavia was because everyone has something they can do. And location video production is something that I do do well enough to be, you know, hired by some big dog people in the country to do certain things. Well, I can do that. And that's part of... Uh, the reason why I'm where I am right now doing what I'm doing is because I have a ministry opportunity at Vestavia to do that and not just do it, but to actually have a regular thing every week to do. And and some people don't get that, but some people really get it. And that is, if you don't have a set schedule or if I don't have a set schedule in my life of things happening on certain days that I can count on, I just fall apart. And I'm a schedule kind of guy. And being able to do the video production at the church was the highlight uh, because it's what I can do. It's, it's that I'm part of the body that can do that, and that's what I did. And that's, that's what gave me life more abundantly last year. Now, back in Sunday school, I'm able to, you know, play with people my own age and, <laughs> and, and have a fun time and impact their lives. And uh, so that's, that's what it's all about. Music has been a way to get there and something to keep me happy and, and stuff like that. Video production is cool. It's fun. Uh, but... Being able to be where God wants you to be and letting him use you the way he wants to use you is what really fills my cup and runs it over. That is um, 
thank you for that. That's a wonderful perspective and one that I think um, we could all uh, sort of model our, whether it's career or, you know, avocations or whatever, being where God uh, needs us to be and being open to being where God needs us to be. And um, thank you for sharing that and thank you for um, being open to to God's leadership here at Vestavia Hills, um, especially in the last <laughs> year and now getting back into handbells and to Sunday school and those sorts of things, just being um, being where God needed you uh, in each of those uh, chapters. Well, thank you. I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that that's a, a wonderful perspective, and I, I know that uh, folks listening on the podcast will um, – definitely be appreciative of that um, that sort of philosophy of life, <laughs> being where God wants you to be, where God needs you to be. Well, James, I have uh, truly enjoyed this conversation today, and thank you for taking time out to uh, be with me. Well, thank you for the opportunity. It's Enjoy not that. often somebody wants to sit and listen to me talk, so this is great. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was wonderful. I know folks will, will enjoy hearing it. All right, take care. Okay, thank you very much.